This week, we end our series on mental disorders. We first discuss schizophrenia and the ignorance, stigma, and sadness behind this disorder. We then move in to dissociative identity disorder, where the killer bides his time, has some snacks, and just can't be bothered. Welcome to part three of the series and episode 32 of Texas 1031. being a natural born man i got told today that or i got asked if i was transgender what the yeah fuck and it's like who a thought that was appropriate to ask anybody whether or not they might be yeah oh it was a transgender person that's just weird because i would never go up to someone and be like are you bisexual like that's just not yeah yeah are you white yeah (laughs) if you're from africa why why are are you white God, we haven't done a Mean Girls reference in a long time. That's a good thing. Hey guys, I just wanted to let y'all know that around the 42-minute-ish mark, uh, we had a little uh, audio problem, so I put in some elevator music for you guys to pass the time. It'll be random, but you'll, you won't miss too much. Hey everyone, this is Cassie and Hannah. This is Texas 1031, and this is a true crime podcast. And as you should know by now, we cover lesser-known murder cases that have occurred in Texas. And Cassie is first this episode. But before we start, is there anything you want to recommend or talk about before we begin? So um, our Joyful Heart Foundation donation button is still live on Facebook. And I'm reblogging it right now. So it's at the top of our page. So please, if you didn't come to our event, which you didn't because no one fucking did except our four amazing people. Um, yeah, the rest of you no, unless no, unless no. you make a donation to Remember joyful heart foundation that episode where we lost all of our listeners it's happening again that's true i'm sorry but um <laughs> yeah please go donate that's my recommendation for the week okay i recommend oh you want to hear something embarrassing this please. isn't a recommendation always but- so I tried to listen to uh, the podcast Beer, Blood, and the Bayou. Okay. I, that recently came into my radar. Yeah. And I followed them on Instagram a while ago when we kind of got on Instagram and blah, blah, blah. And they have a, uh, a phone line you can call and leave a voicemail. And so I called it. <laughs> and I had had like a 
few glasses of wine. Oh my God. What yeah. happened? What'd you say? No, like I was kind of weirded out because the podcast itself is very unconventional. Like one guy talks about beer, one guy talks about murder, and one guy talks about Houston and like what's going on. But like half of them are out of town and like I'm not, I didn't start from the beginning. So I'm very lost on like the construct of the whole thing. But I called and left a voicemail because they recently did, they covered Jennifer Ertman and Elizabeth Pena. Oh. And I was like, cool, that's awesome. And then they couldn't get to the fucking murder. No offense. Like, it took forever. And so I was like, fuck this. And so I just called and left a voicemail. I was like, hey, my name's Hannah. I have a podcast with my friend Cassie. I didn't give him the name. Okay. But I was like, they made a reference. They were like, you know, our listener suggested this and i died laughing because i was like that was you no 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 no. the in their like episode they kept referencing like their one listener and i thought that was fucking hilarious (laughs) that's what we do we're like there's one person that says this one thing we're like so this guy yeah and like my my friend my one friend and um and so i just said you know I just included you, even though I know you don't really care. But I was like, we think y'all are hilarious, like self-deprecating, whatever. We're into it. Um, you know, if you guys ever want to grab beers, let us know. Yeah. yeah. Just like it just kept it short and sweet, not weird. Down with that. And then they like casually followed. I think they felt I don't know if they followed you, but they followed me personally. And yes, the podcast. that's why it came on yeah. my radar. Yeah. What the fuck? So did they search our names? No, and then- I don't know. I guess maybe. Happenstance. I don't know. It was happenstance. It was happenstance. Because I did not list the podcast name in case they read or like record out the voicemails on yeah. air. So I listened back to their newest episode, which was my favorite serial killer, Robert Hansen. Hey. Because one of the guys was out of town in Alaska. And so they covered uh, out of state. Yeah. But I just thought, okay, maybe they'll play the recording, but they didn't. And so I don't know how they found us, but yep, yeah. Follow me. Beer, Blood in the Bayou. That's Your crazy. podcast is kind of weird, but I like that y'all have a voicemail. <laughs> also, s- unique. side note, Robert Hansen is kind of good looking. Oh, yeah. Which is crazy. The last like, podcast on the left was like, those he's sexy glasses. Ugly. Yeah. No, he's cute. Yeah. I'm into it's like it. Buddy Holly is fucking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, so, um, should we dive right into it? Yeah, yeah. Episode three, it our final episode, episode of our series. Yeah. The last installment yes. of the mental disorders. So this episode, we thought we would bring you schizophrenia and disassociative identity disorder or oh. DID. Yes. So we're going to get right into it. Um, Cassie's. Schizophrenia. Yeah, I'm first. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Schizophrenia. Sorry, I didn't know why you paused. I was like, is she burping? Is she? Well, I actually did burp. All right. But I was also, it was a pause for effect at okay. the same time. That double task. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, schizophrenia is not what I thought it would be. The illness itself is, but what I thought I would find true crime wise, it might surprise some of y'all. I don't know. Schizophrenia is serious as shit and suffers, they're constantly losing touch with reality. Um, this disease is very disabling. Disorder. I keep saying disease. I'm sorry. That's not. No, it's okay. Pe- the symptoms of schizophrenia start between the ages of 16 and 30, which kind of, this totally like rang a bell with me. Um, if you've ever listened to any podcast ever talk about exorcisms mm-hmm. and the more famous exorcisms, um, a lot of what these young girls are, the demonic activity, their demonic possession, it can be attributed to schizophrenia. And usually they are around the age of 16 because that's when the Attributed. Fucking A, I do that all the time. 
And I just yelled into the microphone, oh my God, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, so it can be attributed to schizophrenia because that is the age that these symptoms start. So that's why it's a demonic possession. All you know of a sudden, this shit is happening. What I find annoying is that like the real story behind all these like Hollywood ones is actually based on like boys, their oh. possessions. And then they're like, switched into the the ones that become famous like the real exorcist real exorcist mm-hmm. exorcist was about a like a young boy oh i didn't know that yeah i'm citing specifically the infield haunting oh i'm like i only know so like I emily rose well yeah and i don't know emily rose as well oh wow yeah okay. i know yeah mm. i haven't seen a lot of the exorcist infield movies. hauntings um that's the one that the conjuring is based off of like the not the conjuring. connecticut no not the haunt mm, i'm sorry no not that uh fuck um it's part of the like annabelle series the no in the contrary series yeah incision um Uh, i know insidious thank you not that one no um but it's where (laughs) ah fuck you um i'll look up the movie real quick the conjuring 2 so it was the conjuring it was the conjuring all right so have you seen that movie no i've seen the first one i never saw the second one because I actually, wasn't that impressed with the first one. It's actually pretty good. All right. But it is based on a real thing. Okay. Um, it was kind of a hoaxy thing, but also whatever. So it, that was that was a fun little like paranormal, you know, yeah. tie in. So again, symptoms start between the ages of 16 and 30. Um, there are some rare cases of children having it, but very rarely seen. Mm-hmm. So the symptoms. There are three categories of symptoms for schizophrenia. Um, they are positive negative and cognitive so positive symptoms um, are psychotic symptoms not seen in healthy people so this can be losing touch with reality hallucinations which encompasses voices uh, hearing voices seeing things that aren't there and delusions which are false beliefs mm-hmm. um, i did not know the difference between yeah. delusions and hallucinations so that's a very important thing to remember mm-hmm. they are um, and thought disorders like dysfunctional ways of thinking and also movement disorders or agitated body move so your negative category of symptoms uh that means the disruption to normal emotions and behaviors um, they can experience the flat effect, which is a reduced expression of emotions via facial expressions or vocal. Um, reduced feelings of pleasure in everyday life, difficulty beginning and sustaining activities, and reduced speech. And then there is lastly the cognitive category of symptoms. So these are subtle to severe changes in memory or thinking. So they experience poor executive functioning um, or the ability to understand information and make decisions using that information. Um, They have trouble focusing and they have problems with a working memory, which means they collect information and then immediately fucking forget it just as soon as possible. So schizophrenia is genetic and hereditary um, and it's not one particular gene but a few coming together in a perfect storm of sorts to create schizophrenia in a patient. (coughs) There are some environmental causes, but it's mostly genetic. So the environmental causes might be exposure to viruses, uh, malnutrition in the womb, problems with actual birth, or uh, psychosocial So sufferers actually do have a different brain chemistry and structure. So like I said in last week's episode, we were seeing a lot of illnesses that were more, you know, 
nature and nurture. It was a combination. Schizophrenia, uh, psychology, that is something that you are going to be born with. Um, but with schizophrenia, you're not going to see symptoms for a good portion of your um, the treatments for this, um, antipsychotics can combat the symptoms, psychosocial treatment, um, which basically means coping skills can help as well. And then coordinated specialty, specialty care might be necessary. Let's go into the violence because that's what we're here for. There's an elevated risk for violence, although it is, the patients are more typically withdrawn. So most violence is assault. There's uh, less occurrence of homicides. Homicides mm-hmm. are snapping, you know, just assaults on somebody is more common. The public actually perceives schizophrenics as more dangerous than they actually are. Um, they suffer from major stigmas, which can impede in their care and quality. Um, likely, they will receive inadequate treatment, which means they're at a higher risk of volatile behavior because they are not treating the psychosympathetic psychosymptomatic uh traits of this i think it's the name the name sounds yes. so terrifying and it it's does. gotten such a bad stigma through hollywood yep. or whatever you know novels or whatever and i think that that's really kind of where it stems from more yeah. than anything i mean yeah it's a terrifying disease mm-hmm. to anyone it's but, debilitating I mean, it's, it's horrible. the name yeah. you know it's the stigma on the name yeah we lose the ability to sympathize with people that have schizophrenia because we're afraid of them we're too busy being afraid of them mm-hmm. instead of realizing that this is such a debilitating I mean. so um it's actually earlier onset in males so 16 to 30 is the median age that mm-hmm. you'll you know experience those symptoms but Mm. it can occur a little bit earlier in males which is funny that you mentioned that the uh exorcism stuff is actually males and you know it and it's maybe exactly so the stigma what i got from my research i expected i fell prey to the hollywood stigmatization of schizophrenia so i was expecting a lot of violence, a lot of like really fucking crazy crimes to pop up. What popped up in my research most prevalently was that the stigma is terribly harmful to people with schizophrenia. Um, They are vastly mistreated and this leads to bad care and a total lack thereof. Um, They're just sick. They're just sick people with a mental illness and they're not scary. Um, the treatment and care is so important in managing schizophrenia and ensuring a quality of life. Um, violence only occurs during acute symptoms of psychosis because of the hallucinations and delusions. So the hallucinations and delusions are what make this a dangerous disease at times. Mm-hmm. So street drugs also increase violence by 15 times, which is not a surprise at all. But when you think about the homeless population of people that have mental yeah. illness, they're more likely to fall prey to substance abuse. And so, of course, in turn, that's going to make them more violent. So think the violent crazy guy you might have seen on the street one time. He is possibly just a very sick person that mm-hmm. fell prey to the system and he's coping in some way um, and he's not getting the help that he deserves. So suicide and self-harm are actually most likely. They're more likely in a schizophrenic patient than harming someone else. So a couple of famous people that we know of that have schizophrenia, um, the vampire of Sacramento, 
one of my absolute favorite true crime stories. Yes, Richard Chase. Um, He went on a kind of spree and had six victims. He drank their animals, like everything. He was, and that was a product of his delusions. He was a very delusional individual. And if you haven't listened to, I talk about this all the time, last podcast on the left, anytime they cover someone, they do such a good job. They covered Richard Chase. I think it was a one episode thing. And at one point they're talking about how he, he was so, he never showered. He was greasy, always covered in blood and muck and just disgusting. And he would break into people's houses and they would basically like, one of those sequences where it's like the people would catch him breaking in the house trying to steal shit trying to find like food or something they would run around trying to catch him and they would grab onto his arm and they could not catch him because he was so slippery so anytime i'm chasing after my dog i like richard right slow down i I quote henry zabrowski it's like he's just so slippery like richard chase and it's so fucking funny but this man suffered from a very, very serious illness, did not get the care he needed, and six people died because of it. Ed Gein is also said to have suffered from schizophrenia, and as we know, he had three victims, but his delusions led him to dig up countless bodies mm-hmm. from the grave sites, um, cemeteries, and do all the things. Well, his delusions about his mother. And his mother. Mo- oh, the, man. The, Ed Gein was all yeah. kinds of things. <laughs> you can't. You don't have enough time. Yeah. These are, I mean, it's so sad that schizophrenia is the, you know, the reason behind two of my favorite true crime stories. And we all know favorite is a bad word to use, but they're the ones I'm most intrigued by. My intriguing murder. That's right. the new podcast. There we go. <laughs> um, I kept seeing paranoid schizophrenic yeah. when I was reading about. Difference? So there was there. Okay. So if basically, sorry. No, I am. I'm getting into okay. it right now. Um, paranoid schizophrenics are now just under schizophrenia. Okay. So there used to be different categories um, like schizoaffective, catatonic, Mm -hmm. childhood, and paranoid. Um, But those all were so similar. They had just a few different distinctions and traits. They were also the same. It is just better to describe them all equally as schizophrenic. Um, But the paranoid aspect pertains specifically to the delusional episode. Um, a paranoid schizophrenic is someone that is diagnosed while he is in the midst of, he or she is in the midst of that crazy delusion taking So, So now we're going to go into the murder that particularly pertains to schizophrenia. Mm. Um, this is the case of Scott Lewis Panetti, which was slash is a little bit famous for some reasons we will further... Scott Panetti was born on February 28th, 1958, um, but there's not really much about his background to be found other than the fact that he is a, was a U.S. Navy veteran and over his life was hospitalized for schizophrenia 14 times oh at God. least in 11 years. So he was constantly, uh, it was very known that he suffered from schizophrenia by doctors and what. On September 8, 1992, in Fredericksburg, Texas, 35-year-old Scott and his second wife, Son- second wife Sonia, were sep- um, they had actually separated in August that same year. Um, this was due to his drinking and abusive behavior. Sonia had taken their three-year-old daughter to live with her parents, Amanda and Joe Alvarado. 
She actually also got a straining, restraining, dis- oh my goodness, <laughs> restraining order against on the fateful morning of September 8, 1992, that I mentioned above for no reason, because I was talking about another date, but that's fine. <laughs> so on <laughs> September 8, 1992, Scott, in the middle of an intense psychotic break, uh, schizophrenic break as well, he shaved his head, dressed in his old military fatigues, and drove to the Alvarados. He took a sawed-off shotgun and rifle. He broke into their home and assaulted his ex-wife, but also allowed she and their daughter to leave. He then shot Joe Gayton Alvarado Jr., age 55, and Amanda Karen Alvarado, age 56, at close range, killing them both. He later that day changed into a suit and turned himself into police. He said that, quote, Sarge, an auditory hallucination of his, was controlling him at the time of the crime. He also said that divine intervention meant that Amanda and Joe did not suffer, and as he left the home, demons were laughing at him. Oh, no. So in July of 1994, um, a hearing took place to determine his competency to stand trial. Um, This first hearing was found to be a mistrial because the jury just could not reach an agreement. The second hearing um, to determine his competency was held in September of 1994. His lawyer testified that over the past two years since the time of the crime until this trial is taking place, he had had no useful communication with Scott due to his intense delusions. Um, The defense had a psychiatrist testify saying that Scott was very much indeed a schizophrenic and he was not fit to stand trial. The prosecution brought forth a psychiatrist that also said he suffered from schizophrenia, but somehow was still able to stand trial. The jury agreed with the prosecution's psychologist. Panetti, of course, because he is out of his right mind, waived his right to counsel. He represented himself dressed as a cowboy. Oh, my God. He rambled intensely and called to the stand um, such people as John F. Kennedy Jr., Jesus, famous actors, and dead people. How can you let that go on? That's just so... It's cruel. Yeah. Yeah. That's fucked up. That's why the case is taking a turn not to... It's taking a turn away from the atrocity of Joe and Amanda's murder into how fucked up our system is and how we failed this very sick man. That's terrible. From the very beginning, we failed him, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before they were even dead. Yeah, yeah. that's terrible. So um, Scott's former psychiatric doctor said, and I quote, I thought to myself, yeah, I don't know, psychiatrist. I wrote psych doctor instead of writing the word psychiatrist out, which makes me sound like an idiot because I read verbatim. Like, how have I not learned yet that I can't paraphrase on my paper? All right, your psych doctor. Psych doctor said, and I quote, I thought to myself, my God, how in the world can our legal system allow an insane man to defend himself? How can this be just? Pretty good statement. Yeah. Um, Another doctor that treated him for schizophrenia in 1986 concluded that 
Panetti was, quote, Panetti was acting out a role of an attorney as a facet of the mental illness, not a rational decision to represent himself. This all clearly shows that he was not indeed fit to stand trial. But despite all of this, on September 25th in 1995, Scott was convicted and sentenced to death. So this sparked um, a lot of discussion and outrage. His family members did not think that he got a fair deal in this. Um, They did not think that he was fit to stand trial. And of course, they're correct in this. Um, 14, you said 14 times he had been diagnosed with this. So, so, so long ago. God, maybe on his, I don't know, 10th hospitalization for Uh, schizophrenia, he should have been involuntarily committed because this was someone that was suffering greatly because of his illness. And it was impeding on his happiness, his overall, like, life. Exactly. Like, that's insane. And it eventually ended up into the murder of two people. Mm -hmm. And then the courts treated him like a joke. They did not really take into account that this man was sick. They didn't. It's almost as if they thought schizophrenia, if I can't pronounce it, it's not real. Or, yes, this is going to be a real fun show. And his family was outraged. Um, He appealed and appealed Mm. and appealed and appealed and eventually exhausted all of his appeals. So Scott Panetti was executed. I do believe the article I say, or I am reading says he was scheduled to be executed on February 5th, 2004. I do believe he was executed. This posed a question of how Texas had a justice system that allowed such a sick individual to be to stand trial in the first place and then to sit on say what you want about the death penalty say what you want about that is cruel and unusual punishment in my opinion having someone that's so sick not you, you know we we talk about it all the time it's like well we hate the insanity plea but this is a individual that was not fit to even stand trial mm-hmm. he was not fit to hold a conversation with a human being mm-hmm. it he was too sick so um that's why this case is important because it started the conversation um as to what these very sick individuals what needed to happen with them and be done to help them because they were not in their right mind if they had had proper treatment they wouldn't have committed their crime and mm-hmm. that's 100 percent provable with their history so um kind of in closing because i could go on and on and on about how unjust it was how horrifying it was we need to remember that joe and amanda passed away they died at the hands of this very sick man and so much could have been done to intervene before this even got to that point but that just didn't happen so not even just schizophrenia with every mental disease everything everything (laughs) yes so um I'm going to talk about the Texas law just a tiny, tiny bit. So um, more than 20% of inmates on Texas death row are mentally ill, which, you know, there are different degrees of mental illness, um, but it's something to think about. They're all getting diagnosed, Mm -hmm. formally diagnosed with the prison you know doctor nurses their Mm -hmm. staff so it's not just like they walked in and said yeah i suffer from depression i got anxiety you know like no it's it's real it's all real (laughs) and it's almost if we decided as a society to actually treat and pay attention to mentally ill people we might not have so many crimes committed so it might actually help us to do that but i digress 
So um, there was actually a bill, um, Bill 3080, proposed in 2017 by State Representative Tony Rose, um, a Democrat from Dallas. Um, I'm going to read an excerpt from it, um, and I got this from the Texas Tribune. Yeah. Okay. Dot org. <laughs> what? Um, I just, I was. That tribune? Oh, well, I was going to say tribune, and then I was like, I don't think that sounds right. <laughs> Hannah's going to make fun of me. I don't think that's it. <laughs> Gauge my pronunciation <laughs> on whether or not I'm going to get a look from you. Oh, my God. You're making here. me a smarter person. Oh, yeah, right. So, Rose said, uh, and I quote, these illnesses are not a choice. Um, she said this at a news conference announcing the bill. She continues, severe mental illness can cripple an individual and significantly impair one's abilities to make decisions and control their impulses and understand the consequences of their actions. Under Rose's bill, a defense lawyer would be able to ask for a hearing at least 30 days before a capital murder trial to determine if a defendant had a severe mental illness. To qualify as exempt from the death penalty, defendants would have to prove that they had a, a medical diagnosis or documented symptoms of one of the following. Schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, psychotic disorder, bipolar disorder, obsessive compulsive disorder, or depression. Which is interesting because I feel like a lot of things are kept out of this, which is why bills are proposed and... They yeah. shouldn't just be shut down. They should be modified. They should, you know, people yeah. should, if, if they don't like the bill, they should come up with a, an improvement upon the bill. Mm -hmm. That's how our government's supposed to work. It doesn't Not really work rejection. ever that way. Yeah. Exactly. Um, they also would have to prove that they acted as a result of psychotic symptoms that limited their ability to exercise rational judgment or understand the consequences of their action. If mental illness was confirmed, the maximum penalty a jury could hand down would be life without parole. So Rose's bill, along with others seeking to curb the use of the death penalty in Texas, faces an uphill battle with the GOP-led Texas legislator. So when I checked on the, um, you know, Texas something.gov, Department of Justice, whatever, um, <laughs> this bill passed stage two of seven in May 2017, and it's awaiting its next vote. We all know the gears of government move very slowly. Yeah. If you ever see Bill 38, I would, I would read the bill in full. I was going to do it, but I read all of this at 2.40 in the morning last night, and I was like, I'm not dealing with mm -hmm. this right now. Um, but if that ever shows up on any of our ballots, I think that'd be something worth looking at and looking into Definitely. and supporting because we do see individuals like this. I also read another case that I decided not to do. I decided to do Scots over this. But this individual um, murdered his girlfriend and her daughter, I do believe, in a schizophrenic psychotic break. And while incarcerated, he actually plucked out and ate his own eyeball. Oh, my God. And then did it again later on. So he has no eyes. Because he is suffering because from such intense them? hallucinations and delusions. He ate his eyes. So this is serious. He should not be in prison. He's he in, should be hospitalized. Exactly. This oh man is in God. prison instead of getting this care that he so intensely needs. He oh ate his fucking eyeballs, y'all. Like, what the hell? We need to pay attention to these people and help them. So, um, yes. So that is how I am going to conclude schizophrenia, leaving us all with the thought, that these are very serious and these people need care and they need consideration and yeah. rest in peace, Joe. And
very sad that they had to die because the system did not work as it really should to help these individuals and help people not be harmed by them. Well, it just shows you that we've talked about this off recording that Mm -hmm. these aren't all scary you're going to go murder everyone because you're just evil. This is one of those really sad diseases yeah. that fucks your brain up, that yes. causes you to do this stuff. Those people almost, I don't want to say don't have a choice, but like their brain doesn't work to no. let them have a choice. Yeah. And so this is a different layer, you know, of the cake or the onion or whatever yep. you want to call it. Yeah. This is... This isn't what I expected. Exactly. Me either. I, I really expected this to be one of the more volatile ones. Mm-hmm. One of the ones that's like, these these guys are dangerous. And it's really, these guys don't get the care that they deserve because of the mental, the, the stigma mm-hmm. our society holds. And but then that's when narciss- they can become dangerous. But a then narcissist can just join every fraternity in the fucking country. Right. It's. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man. It's all fucking rough as shit. But. I have a couple questions. Please. If you want to get into questions. Yes. So my first one, when it when we talked about demonic possession and all that stuff, I feel like a lot of the, at least the movies and all that bullshit, point it more towards like epilepsy. Mm, is there yeah. any common factor between that? Yes, there okay, is. Cool. That is a symptom from the... Um, Oh, did I like not hear it? No, no, no. It's 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 said weirdly. So that's a symptom. That's a positive symptom um, within the schizophrenia spectrum, okay. gotcha, and it's gotcha. part of the movement disorder. Okay. So agitated body movements. Epileptic. Think okay. An epileptic episode. Interesting. Um, and okay. it might not specifically be epileptic as much as it appears to mm-hmm. be. I'm not sure about that, but yes, those do 100% like correlate. Or uh right, like just that. like seizing and yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. She acted that one out. I did. Um. It was offensive. <laughs> I'll cut it out. It's fine. <laughs> no, no, no. They can't see me. <laughs> so my second question was is that the most infamous creepy pasta, which is Slenderman. Yeah. The one of the main girls you had said assaults occur more common than homicides, mm-hmm. and that's what these two girls did. They stabbed their friend who ended up surviving, but one of the girls was diagnosed as schizophrenic, and yes. her father was schizophrenic. So it all fits. It's hereditary. Hereditary. But I thought it was interesting that she was female. Yes, you know, and young. Yeah, because she was, she was not. Like she was 12, 12 yeah, 11, 12, 13, something like yep. that. So, so definitely not in the main early. range. Yeah. That wasn't really a question, just more of like an interesting side note, whatever. Yeah, it is. Um, my fourth question was, or whatever question it was, third, um, military. He said, you said that he put on his military garb and he got all dressed and stuff. It's like, I wonder if military stuff ever had any interplay. That's what I thought into too. Really accessing those crevices of his mind. You know yep. what I mean? I, I wondered if. There was also any sort of like PTSD. Mm. I, I wondered what he did in the military, whether yeah. or not he was discharged. You know, what happened in the military that For could sure. have worsened his mm-hmm. condition okay. or really triggered it. Or I don't know. But yeah, I, I definitely thought about that. The focus on this case was the injustice of it. Yeah. So most articles I read okay. did not give much really of a background or anything. Okay. Exactly. So speaking of the injustice part of it, I mm-hmm. wrote for my fourth question was that Sick women that we have mentioned and talked about many times on the podcast get off on killing their children because they are schizophrenic or they have similar diagnoses, Mm -hmm. but yet a man 
who has been diagnosed with this disease for numerous, almost 20 plus times, get sentenced to death. Right. That's bizarre to me. It is bizarre. Is it a female, you know, oh, you're a mother. I think so. Thing, but like. It's not like it was his first time. Right. You know? And that's why I think... It's crazy. Part of this, the bill that was proposed by um, Representative Rose, mm-hmm. uh, that's her last name. It's also her first name, but that's her last name. I think that's like... I, I think it's very important. Like, it, she's not including all the illnesses that she maybe should. It's excluding some. There are, of course, issues with the bill. But something good is that they would get life imprisonment without parole mm-hmm. that would be handed down to someone unfit to stand and probably trial during that time they would realize this person needs to be hospitalized right instead of like andrea yates who fucking or fucking the deanna laney, deanna laney. i was gonna say deandra but yeah or they get hospitalized for 10 15 years and then oh my god they get sorry off. this reminds darlie routier she's another woman in rowlett there she has a show that's on tv right now and it's fucking amazing she supposedly killed her two kids but she's still on I don't know if she's on death row, but she's still uh, in jail for her children's deaths. How slash why does she have a TV show? Uh, it's called The Last Defense, and it's defending her claim of innocence. And it's actually really convincing. Whoa. Very convincing. She inflicted a cell, like she tried to slit her own throat, like all this stuff, like crazy forensic shit that I was like, girl, you're crazy. Like, there's no way. But now I'm kind of seeing it. Oh, no. So, so many Texas women that are batshit. Yes. That- have since changed their name and skipped town mm-hmm. but yeah this poor man we see you deanna <laughs> this poor man has he's been sick. killed yeah he's so like, sick yeah yeah anyway sorry for the interruption no no it's yeah this one was a rough one so i am unless you have any more questions oh, i had one last yes. question sorry what happened to his child that i don't know yeah i don't know if the child had any after effects or schizophrenia uh, or I, symptoms therein. that would be interesting to find out because let's see if they if he had his daughter um uh, three-year-old daughter <laughs> um so <laughs> daughter's close to our age now mm-hmm. so she would have found symptoms 10 years yeah. ago till now Potentially earlier, Ish. depending on yeah. the situation. I mean, oh, wow, ten years ago. Um. So yeah, that's that, all I had to say. That concludes the yeah. terrifying and tragic illness of schizophrenia. Indeed. So before we go into mine, I had a question for you guys, and mainly I'm asking Cassie because she's the only one that's listening. Yeah. I know of a couple fun Texas paranormal murder cases mm. would y'all be interested in hearing those things because i don't want to branch out into paranormal stuff but like every now and then throwing in like a you know hoaxy kind of thing that'd be cool because we're I'm talking about that. demonic possession and like all the uh exorcism stuff and it just got me thinking about like halloween things <laughs> i am into that okay cool. because with my like disbelief in religion right. it's very interesting that i fucking believe in like ghosts and spirits and yeah. stuff like because energy doesn't die and everything i don't really know how slash why i believe I in that like shit but it's really scared. fun i like getting yeah. scared and it's is that all you have to say mm-hmm. all right so we're gonna go into my <laughs> that was horrible <laughs> um all right La-la-la. so i have dissoci- dissociative identity disorder mm-hmm. so did it is one of the 
three main dissociative disorders that are recognized in the world. I specifically remember watching a documentary on this disorder itself. Uh, I think it was on Netflix, and I really can't remember what it was called, so it doesn't really matter. But the lady that they were interviewing that suffered from it, she said she hated it when people mispronounced the disease by saying disassociative instead of dissociative. What's the, is there a difference? There's no difference. Okay. It's just, is in, it a, it's the proper way to pronounce it. Okay. Yeah. There's, like, it is the difference, but the meaning to disassociate is the same as dissociate. Okay. Like, there's no difference in meaning. She just thought it was annoying. Interesting. Because I guess it's a common thing. It's your pet peeve. There you go. I mean, hey, you can have a pet peeve about people misunderstanding your right. own illness. That's fine. It's like people mispronouncing your name. I don't yeah. know. Like um, calling me Casey. Right. Or Hana. <laughs> or Anna. Or Hannah Montana or whatever. Oh, God. Yeah. All right. So it is determined by these five factors. So two or more distinct identities or personalities or personality states are... Rep- are wow. It is determined... <laughs> that was a lot of... <laughs> I thought I could fix it, but I couldn't. <laughs> it is determined by these five factors. Two or more distinct identities or personality states are present, each with its own relatively enduring pattern of perceiving, relating to, and thinking about the environment and self. So according to the DSM-5, personality states may be seen as a, quote, experience of possession. These states... Which I'll go into the altars, if you will. We'll talk about those in just a second. Uh, you've heard them referred to as altars, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. You didn't make a, like, you didn't do anything. So I just oh, want to no, make sure we were on the same page. I've seen the movie Split. All right, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, these states involve marked discontinuity. Discontinuity? Discontinuity. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, you make me smart. In- you caught it yourself, though. <laughs> <laughs> I just sat here. In sense of self and sense of agency, accompanied by related alterations in effect, behavior, consciousness, memory, perception, cognition, and or sensory motor functioning. It's a lot of science. Mm -hmm. So DID alters can have different physical effects, accents, memories, ages, names, functions, genders, and other traits. Collectively, all the alters together are known as the system in DID. The DID alter who has uh, executive control over the body most of the time is known as the host. The host personality may or may not be the individual's original personality, which I think is interesting. Uh Most of the time people already just assume that the main one is the real person, but I guess that's not always the case. The DID treatment, or excuse me, in DID treatment, some patients wish to integrate the different alters. Um, DID integration is when an alter becomes combined into the individual as a part of them and not as a completely separate alternate personality. Okay. Um, I'm not really sure how that works, but I don't really want to know. Yeah. Uh, DID disorder, or excuse me, DID alters are commonly of specific types. The following are common DID alter types, child and adolescent alters, mm-hmm. uh, protector or rescuer alters, persecutor alters. While we're talking about yeah. it, does the amnesia, is it present, like, as in, like, kind of blackout when an altar is present? So they have amnesia with, like, they were eating breakfast. They had the cereal. They did this. And then all of a sudden, 
they're in their bathroom. They're like, I don't remember how I fucking got here. I don't remember anything. And it's because they're, one of their altars was taking hold while they were eating the cereal. I can only assume, okay. but from what I've read, it isn't as dramatic as what we've seen okay. on TV. It's just like, and I don't fucking remember that. Well, the way that the case that I talk about kind of references is that it's more of an emotional change. Oh, okay. It's not like, you. Blink and you shift into this yeah. other. Why am I eating fucking mini wheats when I like whatever, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> whatever cereal oh, there yeah. is? Cheerios. Like it doesn't really work that way, but I'm sure it could. I think okay. it's more interesting and fun to see, like on Split, that it is, you know, a British woman dressing in this or etc., yeah. uh, etc., et that little boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, that was such a good movie. Yeah. He's such a good actor. Him. Um, so you'd have to read more on that. I'm not really entirely certain. But okay. the third thing that has to occur out of the five is that the person must be distressed by the disorder for having for or have trouble functioning in one or more major life areas because of the disorder. So they're not using it to their advantage. To Correct. And yeah. the thing that like they referenced right after that sentence in the article was that like this is common in every disorder. Mm. Like it needs to be a struggling thing for you to have to be dealing with every day for it to be diagnosed as a disorder so if you have major depressive disorder like it needs to be an issue in your everyday life it can't just be i don't really feel great today and like i'm just kind of sad like it needs to be a full-on thing okay so it's kind of i don't know cumbersome to like reiterate and like obvious that it needs to be a disorder or like a issue but it in this situation i guess it has to like really be a thing does that make sense no it does no it really does because you can see Oh, fuck. I'm trying to think of, like, actual people, but I can only think of movies. But we've seen movies where people blame a crime on their alternate personality. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, you're just fucking lying. Yeah. Like, you're trying. It's like, we can't diagnose you because you haven't been doing this for years. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So number four, the disturbance is not part of normal normal cultural or religious practices. This DID criterion is to eliminate diagnosis in cultures or situations where multiplicity is appropriate. Hmm. never knew that was a thing yeah uh an example is this in children where an imaginary friend is not necessarily indicative of a mental illness okay so that kind of broke it down a little bit easier but um so number five the last uh criterion is that the symptoms are not due to the direct physiological effects of a substance such as blackouts or chaotic behavior during alcohol intoxication. Or like fucking acid. Mm -hmm. Or general medical conditions such as complex partial seizures. So as long as you're not doing crazy fucked up shit to your body or inducing yourself into some weird whatever, and this is still happening, that you're probably in the clear for getting diagnosed with this. Okay. It's not like acid flashbacks or anything. Yep. I don't even know what that means, but sure. It's, they're weird. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Associated conditions often include borderline personality disorder, Mm. post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, substance misuse disorder, self-harm, or anxiety. The cause is believed to be due to childhood trauma. In about 90% of cases, there are a history of child uh, of abuse in childhood, while other cases are linked to (laughs) experiences of war. Or health problems during childhood. Wow. Yeah. Genetic factors are... Sorry, I was going to say something and then I decided not to. That was from Wikipedia. So that's what I was going to (laughs) say. Genetic factors are also believed to play a role. And an alternative hypothesis is that it is a byproduct of techniques employed by some therapists 
especially those using hypnosis. Whoa. Yeah. Damn. So kind of crazy. Holy shit. So these people had the the makeup for this to happen mm-hmm. to them and then they, they were going to the wrong to see therapist. What? Could sucks. be a thing. I've always heard it to be a repressed childhood yes. trauma. That's yeah. what I and that's what I that was the question. Yeah. So, wow, that's crazy though that there have been instances of that like, happening. The documentary that I met, met or referenced before, they claim in articles that it was all fake afterwards, but this one I've never seen so many self-harm scars on her arms Mm. and just like weird things. And so it kind of really upset me to see that like they were kind of patronizing her in that way. Right. Or doubting her, I guess. But it's still, I don't know. That's, yeah. Did she make a documentary? I don't know. Whatever. Mm. All right. A lot of similar childhood trauma stuff, genetic stuff, etc., like the other diseases and cases that we've talked about. So I'll go on in, into the murder part of the story. So picture it. October 2011, College Station. Mm. I hope you haven't heard of this one because I hadn't. 18-year-old Gabriel Hall will murder an unassuming man and attempt to murder his handicapped wife. Nope. Right. Had some. Cool. So he had been adopted, red flag, by Wes and Karen Hall when he was 11 years old, originally Ooh. being from the Philippines. Wow. Wes Hall. Yeah. Wes Hall was a former attorney and Brazos County Justice of the Peace. And Karen was the president of the Central Texas Orphan Mission. Wow. So the Halls had adopted multiple children, including Halls, uh, or Gabriel, sorry, biological sister, Erilyn, which is a cool name. I love that. Yeah, right. They spell it kind of cool, too. And brother, Emmanuel. Um, oh, I'm glad I didn't say that sentence that I forgot to cut out. <laughs> um, so Gabriel is accused of killing 68-year-old Edwin Shar. I think it's, it's S-H-A-A-R. Shar? Yeah. Shar. <laughs> All right, Edwin Shar on October 20th by stabbing and shooting him inside his garage. Hmm. He also uh, is accused of seriously injuring his 69-year-old wife, Linda, who was in a wheelchair at the time. Fucked up. Yeah. Police responded to the Shar's residence on Deacon Drive around 6 p.m. after being told by dispatch that the caller could hear screaming and banging sounds during the 911 call before the caller became unresponsive. At the time, police said it sounded like the caller, Linda Shar, was being strangled. Wow. So she called saying she could hear some weird shit happening in her house. And then all of a sudden she was unresponsive. All right. Wow. So they thought she was being strangled, but it turned out Gabriel had actually stabbed her in the neck. Jesus. The responding officer found Edwin Shar in a pool of blood in his garage. He was, quote, motionless, not breathing, and was not actively bleeding. The officer called for more units and uh, waited for backup. Once backup arrived, they went inside and inside and found Linda still in her wheelchair, covered in blood and gasping for air. Paramedics arrived and transported her to the College Station Medical Center, where she underwent surgery. Edwin Char was pronounced dead at the scene. So police didn't have much to go on for about eight hours, and the only living witness that they knew of was Linda. She was in a medically induced coma. So the um, according to the police report, they got a tip around 2 a.m. from a jogger who said he had been running in Brothers Pond Park, not far from the scene and not long before police responded. So the jogger, a man named Forrest King, told investigators he saw an Asian male. What? 
forest was running. Oh, yeah, you're right. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. (laughs) All right. Uh, That's a good one. I didn't think about that. Wearing a uh, green fishing hat and a blue T-shirt walking the trails. He said he didn't know the kid's name. This is so weird. But knew he went to school at A&M Consolidated High. Okay. Sure. Like, okay. Creeper. Like, yeah. I don't know. How did he know he went to that school? In other news, this man's a pedophile. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Thank He's you. Right? kind of a hero. But sure. yeah. That's yeah. Without this guy, weird. like, this is a major coincidence. Like, I don't know how they would have honestly solved this thing. I mean, maybe they would have, but I don't know. Uh, so police brought Forrest a yearbook, asked him to pick out who who he saw. He pointed to Gabriel Hall. Jesus Christ. Right. The amount of people in a yearbook. Okay, that's weird. This yeah. guy had, yeah, this guy yeah. was watching him at some point. Yeah. It's a little who iffy. knows? I don't. Yeah. The cops were like, you kind of helped us solve this murder, so we're just going to keep an eye on you <laughs> from a distance. Mr. Petty file. Yeah. All right. So police went to Gabriel's house at about 4 a.m. Gabriel told police he had been jogging in the trails where he was spotted around the time of the killing. So maybe this guy knows Gabriel from jogging. That's weird. Maybe. And maybe Who goes he... jogging at 4 a.m.? Oh, yeah. Why was or this guy? Or at 2 a.m. What the hell actually. is this guy doing, yeah. too? Who knows? This guy's sketchy. We'll talk about him <laughs> in three years when right, something happens right, right. there. Uh, he showed police what he was wearing, which was a white shirt and a black ball cap, which didn't match what King saw earlier. Mm-hmm. Gabriel wasn't a suspect yet, and so the police left, and Gabriel went to school a few hours later. Yeah. Linda Shar woke from her coma sometime late in the morning, and detectives met with her at 1.15 p.m. She told police an olive-skinned or Asian male wearing a camouflage fishing hat attacked her and killed her husband. She couldn't identify Gabriel from a picture line. Police later requested that he come to the police department to provide fingerprints and a DNA sample. He agreed, and his adoptive father drove him to the this is good. The police report says that when he got to the station, detectives took a DNA sample but couldn't take his fingerprints because apparently Gabriel had covered his fingertips with super glue, making prints pretty much impossible to get. Like, okay, as you do. He was just playing with super glue. <laughs> I'm Not, totally innocent. Yeah. One of the detectives would later testify in court that he knew within 15 minutes that they had had that they had the right guy. Gabriel confessed to killing Edwin Shar and stabbing Linda, citing, quote, his killer instinct as the reason why he did it. And the best part of his confession <laughs> is that he said he was sorry. I don't mean to laugh, but this is too good. He was at home eating yogurt and <laughs> at two in the morning and sipping on a glass of wine at two in the morning, enjoying the silence. <laughs> Yogurt doesn't pair it with wine. Cannot. You're in high school. Right. What Thank makes you that so much what for getting all that out for me? <laughs> why does that make you want to murder an elderly couple? <laughs> Enjoying the silence before walking over to the shower's His home. murderer altar was like, you know what flavor this yogurt reminds me of? Murder flavor. The blood flavor, yeah. God. Tastes like blood in my mouth. So lame. He's From like, I didn't old have a fucking neck. cheese plate, all right? Daryl, my other altar. Like, fuck off. Who went high schooler likes wine? You like wine coolers. Right? Or- <laughs> this is a lie. He wasn't drinking yogurt no. needing eating. Drinking yogurt. <laughs> Strike that. Reverse it. <laughs> it's good, though, right? I want to know what flavor of yogurt. <laughs> It was probably plain because he's boring as shit. <laughs> All right. Stop laughing. 
College Station police detective Derek Cooper says that the day after the homicide, thank you for thinking that was funny because I really did too. Um, day after the homicide, Gabriel was being transported to the police station from the park where he uh, claimed to have tossed the weapons into the On the way back, Gabriel asked them to actually stop and get a copy of today's paper. They considered it to be an unusual request, but agreed. And Detective Cooper says that Gabriel was, quote, intrigued by the front page story uh, being that of the murder. Ooh, his really narcissistic Creepy. alter. Yeah. Daryl. <laughs> or whatever. Yogurt. <laughs> Dannon. Oh, my God. Dannon! That was good! Thank that you. was good! Is Dannon even a company anymore? I don't I think don't so. Know. That's good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I shouldn't have added the yogurt. All right. Erilyn Hall. E-R-A-L-Y-N. Erilyn. Cool. Yeah. Who introduced herself as Erilyn Espinosa Kenyatta. Spelled Canada. Get over yourself. Well, that's her thing. From, other, from the Philippines. After her biological parents was living on her own around the time of that all of this happened oh she's not a minor okay i no, thought no, she was no. some she was 15 older. year old yeah. like julio esteban romano blah, 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 like from sweet life of zach and cody <laughs> selena gomez no no what i didn't watch that show what? that's fine okay. that's okay <laughs> she had been kicked out of wes and karen hall's house mm-hmm. and didn't find out gabriel killed edwin char and previous and previously seriously injured his wife about uh, until about a month afterward she said her adoptive parents didn't tell her about her brother being arrested and that she found out through her boyfriend and later when a detective came to talk. She said she couldn't believe her brother could do that. She didn't think he was uh, that kind of person. And she said she wished she could have been there to help deal with whatever demons were bothering him. Erilyn mm-hmm. Hall was 16 years old when she was adopted by Wes and Karen. And she said during their first family dinner in Texas, she tried to eat spaghetti with a spoon and fork at the same time. She said Karen slapped her on the hand and told her to eat like an American. And if she did it again, she'd cut her thumbs off. What the fuck? Like, I eat my pasta with a fork and spoon, so fuck you, Karen. Yeah, you can't just eat pasta with a fork. I mean, unless she meant, like chopsticks wise still that's probably a more innovative way right i don't know like that's, who gives a fuck yeah. the way someone eats erilyn said that karen would call gabriel stupid and re- oh so, fuck this lady yeah. i don't give a shit how many kids you right, adopted yeah. you suck definitely yana hall mm. who was adopted by the halls from russia and testified as a rebuttal witness for the state said she was in the room that night and karen hall never threatened to cut anybody's thumbs off Hmm. Sure. Prosecutors asked Yana about the alleged abuse at the hands of Karen, and Yana said that she never felt like she was abused and never uh, and that she was never afraid that any of her siblings were being physically or emotionally abused as well. I mean, she is from communist Russia, though. <laughs> Isn't it still? Yeah. Uh, she said Karen would get mad and yell at her kids when they misbehaved. She said Karen would poke them in the collarbone with her finger when they got in trouble, like the other siblings testified. And Yana said that the poking was unpleasant, but it wasn't forceful enough to leave a bruise. However, Yana was adopted long before Gabriel and his siblings. Okay. So they left that out. Yeah. So I keep or I add all that in there because I wanted to show if it was a childhood trauma. Right. Of abuse in at least the household. 
Psychologist Bethany Brand, Forensic Files, testified that Gabriel Hall told her he sometimes thinks about killing people to help him fall asleep at night. No. I listen to fucked up shit before I go to bed, but I don't think about killing people. No. Thinking about people dying. That's a different. Different thing. Different. I like listening to stories about people dying, but like not by the hands of myself. No, no. He also told her during interviews he wanted to kill his adopted parents and two of his adopted siblings. Bethany testified that Gabriel suffered from several mental illnesses that influenced his behavior mm-hmm. leading up to the night of the attacks. She interviewed Gabriel three times. Prosecutors argued that there was no evidence to, sh- to show Gabriel's mental illness contributed to his crime and he had a history of wanting to hurt people. Bethany specialized in trauma-related disorders of the mind, such as PTSD and dissociative disorders. She said Gabriel suffered from DID, PTSD, and major depression. Wow. So I believe it personally, but she states that dissociative disorders are characterized by having more than one personality. They can be developed as a response to constant trauma almost as a way for a victim to disconnect. Mm-hmm. She said multiple personalities in dissociative identity disorder are never as easy to distinguish as they are in the movies, like I said earlier. Yeah. She said, in reality, a person who suffers from this disorder might just look like they don't show any emotion. Mm. She said it's a serious mental illness and that Gabriel's personalities go from feeling too little emotion to feeling too much. Under cross-examination, however, Bethany said that as far as she knew, there was nothing that triggered Gabriel's PTSD or DID that would have caused him to kill Edwin Shar and seriously injure Linda. Kind of baffling to me. Mm-hmm. She did not dispute that Gabriel knew right from wrong at the time of the crime and said he made a, quote, horrific choice to plan the killing, walk through a neighborhood looking for a suitable target, get his weapons, and attack strangers, which kind of just sealed the deal for me right there. Yeah. But Bethany Brand said she pressed Gabriel to tell her why he chose to attack the couple, and she said she assumed Gabriel targeted them because he saw them as authority figures like his parents. Prosecutors said there was no evidence to support the claim. Some of the reasons Gabriel had given to the police and shared with other inmates for why he chose the Shars are that the weather was nice or that he didn't like their landscaping. Fucking yogurt and wine. (laughs) Prosecutors asked Brand if she would disagree with a forensic psychologist who said Gabriel didn't have a psychiatric disorder. She said yes, and that she'd like to hear that person's opinion. Hmm. Uh, She also said DID is difficult to diagnose and that only a few people in the world are trained to tell the difference between real and faked DID. She said she is one of those. Now, (laughs) Dr. Richard Adler said Gabriel suffered from a dissociative disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder and major depressive disorder, just like she said. But she said specifically DID, not a dissociative disorder. Yeah. So Dr. Adler attributed Gabriel's neuropsychological disorders to a mixture of prenatal alcohol exposure, childhood trauma, and physical injury. Okay. Okay. He said that there are areas of Gabriel's brain that showed significantly lower brain activity than that of a normal person. He also said that part of the brain responsible for regulating regulating anger is smaller in Gabriel, which is common for most people with PTSD. He said the part of Gabriel's brain that recognizes pleasure is also smaller than normal. 
Uh, Dr. Adler presented the results of two scans of Gabriel's brain and showed areas of low brain activity. He said one was consistent with that of blunt force trauma. The other looked like prenatal alcohol exposure. Like I and Gabriel's biological mother testified that she did drop him on his head when he was a baby and she couldn't afford to take him to the da-da-da. Dr. Adler said it doesn't matter what caused the brain damage, only that it's there. He said brain damage is inherently bad, obviously, mm-hmm. but having an idea of what caused it is helpful to him as a psychiatrist. So Dr. Adler said that in certain circumstances, Gabriel will be less likely than normal to control violent outbursts because of his neurophysiological disorders. He's, he also said there was evidence that Gabriel made threats to hurt people while he lived at the orphanage in the Philippines, but not while he went to school in the U.S., Allegedly, Gabriel even told one of his bunkmates in jail that he once stood over Karen Hall with a handgun for over two hours while she slept. Not great. Mm-mm. So five key takeaway points of Dr. Adler's testimony. Gabriel had no second thoughts. He said that he walked around for t- nearly two years thinking about killing a stranger, but stalled because he, quote, had stuff to. And after the murder, Gabriel said he had no second thoughts about doing it. Okay. The second thing was that Linda Shar was just collateral damage. He had to kill her too because she was just there at the time. The third thing to take away from this was Gabriel's brain. Dr. Adler told the jury that Gabriel was a uh, very low birth weight as an infant. Um, and that's significant because that puts him at a high risk for neurodevelopment disorders. He went on to say that Gabriel was developmentally delayed and suffers from all those psychological disorders, including identity disorder and PTSD, like we said. Um, the fourth reason or fourth takeaway is that there was no excuse. So Dr. Adler says that the jury should consider his testimony to be an explanation, not an excuse for Gabriel's actions. I think that was pretty interesting. Yes. So the fifth thing is that, um, he said there are dueling doctors. So he goes back and forth with Bethany Brand about, is there really truth to this diagnosis? Is he really, does he suffer from an mm. actual dissociative disorder or specifically DID? Because it's so difficult to diagnose mm. in the first place. Yeah. And if he's that fucked in the head, is he good at hiding it? Right. And blaming it on something else. So DA Parsons led closing arguments for the state by talking about Edwin Shar's character. He said Shar was the type of husband and father that every man dreams of being. He said Shar's final moments, in Shar's final moment, moments, he sacrificed himself for his wife. He said if Hall's gun wouldn't have jammed after he shot Edwin in the forehead, Linda Shar would have been finished off in the same way. Quote, he looked evil dead in the face and he didn't blink. Parsons said that this is Commander Edwin Shar, and that is why we are here. Edwin Shar suffered from Parkinson's disease that would sometimes lock up in his legs and prevent him from moving. Really sad. Um, Linda Shar got around in a wheelchair because of a flesh-eating bacteria that took her leg. What the hell? Right. Parsons said that these are people everyone else in the world opens the door for, but to Gabriel Hall, they're targets. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. Quote, they can spend as much time as they want crucifying Karen Hall, but that's not why we're here, Parsons says. Karen Hall doesn't mitigate what he did to complete and total strangers. Karen Hall is Gabriel's Hall adoptive mother. mother, Wow. Uh, Much of the testimony during the trial focused on Karen, Karen Hall's alleged mistreatment of her adopted children. I know I already spoke about this, but this was just reiteration from the D.A. Um, I do kind of disagree with him, though, to a certain extent, because I do feel like environmental factors do have precedence Mm -hmm. almost you know yeah 
But I guess whatever. Fuck me. <laughs> Defense attorney Tony Odiorn. Odiorne. Odiorn. I don't. I have nothing to offer here. Tony. <laughs> Tony. Argued that Hall did not um, pose a continuing threat to people around him. That's interesting. That doesn't sound right. He said there is no evidence in the four years Gabriel has been in jail that he has committed a single act of violence. Yeah, because it's not fun for him. (laughs) Odiorn said that Gabriel doesn't have to be told to follow the rules. He doesn't provoke fights and he keeps to himself. Prosecutors then showed pictures of the shank jail guards found in Gabriel's bed and brought up the razor blades he had stashed under it. So he was doing the same thing he had been doing before, just planning, 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 thinking, thinking, thinking. Yeah, and like clearly had all of this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Defense attorney Andrea Killing. I don't fuck if I know, dude. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce this lady's last name. Another defense attorney asked the jurors to consider all of the evidence brought forth in the punishment phase and think about whether it had any negative effect on from the poverty he lived in through the Philippines to the lack of therapy and alleged verbal abuse by Wes and Karen Hall. She said she hasn't seen a case with as much mitigation as this one. Like, girl, get in line. There's Mm -hmm. a bajillion. She also pointed out mental health professionals showed uh, uh, he had a traumatic brain injury, which she said hadn't been disputed. Um, She also said she was appalled that she knew more about Karen Hall's kids than she did. She said it is because Karen Hall didn't care and was only concerned with her image, which mm, quote, look who isn't or excuse me, quote, look who. All right. She phrased this stupid. <laughs> Quote, look who's in the courtroom today and look who isn't here. What? Oh, my God. What does she even mean? <laughs> oh, Karen wasn't right. there. Look who's in the, this courtroom today and who's not here today. That's how she said it? Right. That's weird. Two so-called parents not here basically saying to you, we don't care what you do. It doesn't matter to us. Yeah, as you, you, shitty sentence structure she has. Thank you. (laughs) She makes a point. Jurors convicted Gabriel of fatally shooting and stabbing Edward Shar and severely wounding Linda, and rejected the option of sending him to prison for life with no chance of parole. The jury decided after seven hours of deliberation that the now or then twenty-two-year-old Gabriel Hall should be executed for his crimes despite possible mental illness. So. Questions and theories. Uh, this illness is clearly very hard to diagnose. Yeah. I do take stock in the fact that he suffered from potential abuse, physical and emotional, which could point to activated trauma. But um, before I go into, well, I don't have anything else to say, questions and theories wise, before I go into Edwin's um, obituary. But I wanted to have one final thing I'd like to mention. Yeah. Is that Gabriel's biological father, Eduardo Kenyatta Sr., a resident in the Philippines, is a convicted murderer. That's good. We, we paired these up really well. Because yeah. with, like, schizophrenia, we have such a Hollywood persona for that. Same thing with DID. So I'm like, I don't see how any, like, I wrote down, does he have a killer altar? Does he have mm-hmm. an ego? These are all altars that are coming in, but we didn't ever really see them clearly. We never heard them mentioned, but they're all coming. So it's so interesting to me how uh, Bethany Mm -hmm. diagnosed him with DID. It's just so 
after only three times of interviewing him. Right. How can you really tell unless can you gather that his, you know, and maybe this is just Hollywood again, but it always appears that you have a therapist that you go to for a long time and your alters, if you will, are gradually released and shown and your therapist can document this over years and years and years of therapy and being able to, you know, individually kind of point out who is who and what is what. And so in three interviews, that's this lady was able to determine this. Right. Maybe it's true. Maybe you only have one other alter, you know, personality. Right. And maybe it's just something as simple, simple as, as emotional switch. Yep. But like I get upset and then I'm happy and then I'm sad again. Like right. you're going to murder someone someday. Right. Like, you know, it's know. it's very weird. Yeah. And then um the only th- other thing I wrote down was uh, how did he find his victims? So he just was walking through the neighborhood and he was like, oh, I know that those old people live there or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think that he said he <laughs> with his yogurt and wine, probably some, you know, liquid courage there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking yogurt and wine, man. That's so good. I'm so glad I found that. At the Dude, I want to get a tattoo. It says, <laughs> Texas 1031. It's just like yogurt and a yeah. glass of wine. Gross. <laughs> I think he just literally went walking around a park that he was familiar with. And maybe he did jog there. And that's how Forrest knew, you know, of him. Right. Maybe didn't know his name, but maybe he had spoken with him. And he was like, yeah, I'm on the track team at this such and such high school. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was as simple as that. But I think that he probably, I mean, what did he say? I had two years to scout this out, but I was just busy doing stuff. Yeah. Like, fuck you. He probably knew who he wanted yeah. to go to. Knew that they were fuck. unassuming. She was in a wheelchair. Flesh-eating bacteria. I know. God. This lady could, survives everything at this uh, point. Yeah, a flesh-eating bacteria? Indestructible. What the hell? How do you, okay, yes. I'll go into Edwin's, uh, I keep wanting to say autopsy. <laughs> God damn it. Don't go into that. No. And then I want to say autobiography. What's no. the word? Uh, Epilogue. No. no. <laughs> Obituary. You said it I earlier. Said it a ago, yeah. Edwin Willis Shard Jr., naval commander, scholar, beloved husband, father, grandfather, and brother, passed away Thursday, October 20th, 2011. His birthday was the next day, mind oh, you. fucking A. Right. Um, blah, blah, blah. Talking about his uh, actual service. Sorry. Um, he was born in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Raised in Massapequa, mm. uh, New York. He was the star pitcher for his high school baseball team and developed an affinity for the ocean, which was to become a central theme in his life. His career was one of outstanding contribution and distinction. He attended the University of Massachusetts in Amherst, where he graduated in 1965 with a dual major in chemistry and pre-med. Following college, he entered the U.S. Naval Aviation Officer Candidate School in Pensacola, Florida. He trained as a pilot and flew off aircraft carriers with the U.S. Atlantic Fleet of Anti-Submarine Warfare. Jesus. In 1967, while stationed in Corpus Christi, he met his uh, and married his wife, Linda Mayshar of Raymondsville, Texas, and the couple had three children. He obtained his M.S. in ocean- Oceanography. Um, at a Naval Postgraduate School of Monterey, California, and was later stationed in Beeville, Texas. As Air Operations Officer, he relocated to College Station, Texas in 88 to serve as Executive Officer of the Naval ROTC Corps and Cadets 
and associate professor of naval science at Texas A&M University. So this guy's accomplished, to say the least. Yes, he is. Wow. Yeah. During this time, he obtained a PhD in oceanography. Uh, with what time? I'm right. sorry. From the university. After 26 years of dedicated service, Ed retired from the Navy with the rank of commander. He then worked as operations manager of the A&M Oceanography Department until he retired in 2002. Um, he had only been retired for like what eight years. Yeah. Hmm. While Dr. Shar achieved many ambitions at his core, he was a family man. Aww, man yeah. it. Ugh, that was a good job, though. I know now that it's not what I thought it was, yeah. but that I still have no real no. understanding of it. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys, that is it for the uh series. I hope Yay. we hope y'all enjoyed it. Things like that. And do we want to? Are we, this ends season one, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're ending it on Friday the 13th. Cool. So, you know, it's going to be a short so break. one, two, three. We're taking like a month off. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So yeah. Three weeks off, whatever. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Works for me. Yeah. It's going to have to I'll work. do a survivor story. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. I was going to say, I wasn't going to put that on you, but I was like, yeah, Hannah's yeah. probably going to do I'll, a survivor story. I'll have like a month to research a Yes. Good one. But yeah, so thank you guys for listening yeah. to this whole season. I mean, you guys, season one was the beginning. Hannah by herself doing a kick-ass job to all of our like bad audio and me not knowing what the hell I'm doing in this. And then to now where yeah. we finally kind of got, got a handle it of it. Yeah. Mm, little two together. Um, Next season... Maybe we'll come out with paranormal stuff. Maribel, <gasps> Maribel, well, maybe we will. <laughs> oh, maybe we'll stop drinking so much. <laughs> we can't promise that. So maybe we'll oh, have paranormal and more series. Yeah. In ideas. the three weeks that we're off. Give you're not going to give us suggestions. You won't. But if you want talking? to tell us, okay, like we want yeah. to cover cases that you but guys also, care like, about. Also, like read through the actual like series index of like what we've won. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for becoming listeners to our obscure bullshit podcast. That <laughs> um, we won't be back next week. We'll be back in a few weeks with more Texas true crime. And if anyone's listening, happy Halloween. Oh, R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs>